welcome to Health's Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. Hello, hello, hello. And we are here with another episode of the Health Kitchen Podcast. Now, I'm really excited for today's episode because we are talking about injuries and rehab of injuries from the workplace. And we all know, if you've been listening to this podcast or you just know, there's lots of injuries in the food service industry. And funnily enough, most of the injuries that occur in restaurant employees are from overuse or holding one position for too long. And usually they're located in the lower back. And all of these statistics you can find on the WorkSafe BC website. They break it down by different age groups, different demographics. It's really awesome. So you can go find that out. Or you can go uh, listen to my Restaurants Canada webinar where I actually broke this down in even more detail. Maybe I'll throw that in the show notes. But... I wanted to take an opportunity to talk with a practitioner who actually treats patients because I wanted to bring someone on board who can give a little bit of a detail on what an injury looks like, how we go about treating them, maybe how we go about preventing injuries in the restaurant industry, and also how to find a practitioner that is going to work for you. Because I know a lot of people sometimes don't know where they should go. They don't know what they should be looking for. And my guest today really goes into detail about all that. The other thing is I try to make a requirement for this podcast that all of my guests have had to work in a restaurant at some point. And he perfectly fits this bill because his family owned a restaurant. So without further ado, let's meet today's guest. Today's guest goes by the name of Joseph Sinopoli, and he's a chiropractor, but he also spent a good bit of time in the restaurant industry because his family owns the Italian restaurant Sinopoli's. So he definitely knows the challenges of working in a restaurant and how you can actually go about treating some of these injuries or possibly preventing them altogether. He just started his own clinic called Rehab Science, and I will definitely put notes in the show notes about that, but we have an excellent conversation that I think is going to bring a lot of value to a lot of restaurant employees, so without further ado, let's go listen in. So I guess we'll get into it and see where it goes. So we are here, or I'm here, with Joseph Sinopoli, a chiropractor. We work together at one of my wellness clients, but I thought I would give the floor to sort of have you describe yourself as a chiropractor, how you got here. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I've been working as a chiropractor in Vaughan for the past four years. 
uh, recently opened up uh, my own practice actually in Vaughan, um, Rehab Science Health Center, uh, and uh, graduated in 2016. I uh, started actually working uh, at Smart Centers in 2017. Yeah. And um, uh, working to treat the, the employees that work there, helping with their you know office pain management things like that. So, and uh, that's where I met Aaron. Yeah. And uh, we've been working there together for about one year now, I think. Yeah, it'll be a year in April, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's been a fun time. Smart Centers is a great client. I yeah, enjoy really, working yeah, with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, so, as a chiropractor, kind of what got you into the field? What pushed you in this direction when it comes to rehab and uh, rehab science? So, I graduated from uh, CMCC, which is the Chiropractic College in Toronto. Um, they're very evidence-based college, so it encouraged me to take the rehab-based approach to chiropractic care. Um, so uh, we do a lot of different types of uh, treatments here, um, including spinal manipulation, as chiropractors typically do, um, you know, deep tissue therapy, exercise, uh, science rehab, um, uh, stretching, strengthening, all sorts of different things. And, and for me, uh, I graduated, I think most chiropractors graduate with a kinesiology degree, much like yourself. Yep. Um, I was one of the sort of the, the odd ones out. I graduated with uh, immunology and biochem. Okay. So uh, a little bit different. So it kind of wanted, uh, for me, I always like to keep the, the science and involved in what I do uh, and the evidence-based uh, nature of my practice. So that's kind of where we got to rehab science at this point. Yeah, that's a really powerful thing, actually, because um, I went to the University of Guelph, and University of Guelph has a kin degree, but it's called human kinetics, and it's actually a really heavy science degree. Mm -hmm. um, you don't do any of the more, I know there's like arts kin's degrees out there. Um, it's really heavy science, so I had to do the biochemistry, the... Um, all the biology classes, the, uh, you know, and then on top of it, the human, yeah, the human anatomy, <laughs> human physiology, all that kind of stuff. But um, I found it a really powerful thing because I have such a science background. I'm actually able to use that at the wellness job, at wherever I am to be able to read reports, talk about uh, things in a really like critical manner and be able to give power behind that and I think a lot of other kinesiologists don't always have that background so I kind of appreciate that you came from immunology and biochemistry and yeah all that it kind of stuff. gives you a, a bit of a, a different perspective on uh, topics that you know a lot of people you know want to talk to you about especially when they know that you have a healthcare background yeah uh, you know they, they, they want to talk to you about their pain but then they also want to talk about management in other ways you know uh, yeah you know, on a cellular level or, uh, you know, what's going on with their, uh, you know, their system from the inside health, you know, from a health perspective. And, and so it's nice to kind of separate yourself a little bit. So I, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use that to empower your patients as well? Um, I, I do in, in, you know, in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, I, I like to kind of give them the opportunity to uh, work on their health from both inside and out. Yeah. Um, and to be able to discuss, you know, those kinds of topics, I think is really powerful, uh, really helpful for them. Um, because there's more to, uh, you know, to overall health than just improving your pain, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, typically the first time I see somebody, it's because they're, you know, they're, they're hurting and they're, they're looking for some kind of relief, but then there's so much more you can do with that person once you get to know them. And, uh, and so that, that, you know, that's what we aim for. Oh, perfect. Um, so why chiropractics mm, uh, compared to like, you know, physio, med school, whatever it may be? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question, actually. I, I, I was torn, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I went through a lot of uh, back and forth over the years. Uh, when I was in my third year at U of T, um, I wrote, actually wrote the MCAT. Okay. And, uh, and was, I kind of got to the point where I was like a click away from applying um, everything was, was mostly set uh, to apply to medical school and uh, I, I kind of stopped at that point and remember having the conversation with my parents and you know I have the parents that are, are uh, you know they're, they've always been very encouraging but they asked the question well, why, why don't you want to click you know what, what's your reason and I said the truth is I, I felt like I wanted to deal with um, with injury more than illness yeah. and I mean in the medical profession you deal with both right so it's not like you would be dealing just with illness but um, for me I, I felt the passion that I had was definitely laid out a lot more with injury uh, and I was so injury prone growing up I, I've broken each wrist like twice both in one summer actually that was a terrible summer <laughs> but, uh, I was so injury prone and, and you know what I got so much relief from um, chiro- from chiropractors that I'd seen uh, a few specifically uh, in the Vaughn area, and uh, the the difference it made for me was like nothing I'd had before. Um, I I think because I was lucky enough to see you know these evidence based chiropractors that uh, were probably at that time like pioneers to the field to be practicing in this rehab style of approach, uh, which really inspired me. Yeah. So that's what I've tried to. You know, in, you know, work on with my clients and uh, encourage that style of, of care as well. Um, you know, I love physiotherapists and I work with them as well. I actually find my style can be probably pretty similar to them at times. Yeah. Um, so it was just a matter of, you know, who helped me a lot growing up and it inspired me, I think. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty uh, common mm-hmm. story for a lot of people. Um, they possibly came from an athlete background. I know a lot of athletes end up going into chiro, physio, kinesiology, whatever, because they worked with a really great coach. They worked with a really great um, rehab specialist that showed them all this stuff. And then they kind of, it was an obvious and really straightforward transition into that, Um, you know, and working with athletes or whatever it may be. It makes sense, right? Yeah, it just kind of goes hand in hand. Um, and uh, that actually is really connected to my background as well, because I was a varsity coach and a strength conditioning intern um, for a year. And I really connected my athlete background to how I go about doing the wellness job and also my other um, kinesiology work as well. So mm-hmm. like, how do we go about training? How do we go about human performance to help people feel better yeah. and connecting it all together? And I think it's sort of an angle that I don't see so much in the wellness world, you know, going in that way. Um, yeah, so it's, you do a pretty good job of, of incorporating it one way or another. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen, I've seen it. So. Yeah, it's my own It's my own flavor of wellness. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, TriFit was like, do your thing. I was like, okay, we'll see what the, that's, you know. That's the best, the best way you can do it. Yes. I've been involved in a few of your little, uh, um, we'll call them intense stretch breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, uh, they've broken a few sweats, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what that's, that's all about, right? Um, but 
Hell's Kitchen, this podcast, is connected to the restaurant industry. And I've had a really great guest so far. Chefs, servers, bartenders, all sorts of people. Um, And they're telling their stories, and that's really great. But I want to bring forward more health professionals to be able to bring forward things that maybe people could use in their workday to start making them feel a little bit better. But I know you're connected to the restaurant industry yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that, and then I'll get into my uh, questions about, you know, improving your workday as a restaurant employee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up, I I grew up in, in literally almost in a restaurant. Um, Since uh, my father was 18, he's owned uh, uh, Sinopoli's restaurant. Um, Used to be called Sinopoli Foods. Um, they were once at Jane and Wilson. That was mostly where I, I remember spending a lot of my childhood um, in the restaurant there. Italian food, you know, uh, very well-known veal sandwiches and uh, pizza. And, and so um, I remember being a kid actually telling my parents I was sick and needed to come home from school because I wanted to be working with my dad. Uh, it worked a few times, but not all the time. <laughs> a few times it worked. Um, so I was that you know that eight year old kid that knew how to make veal sandwiches and and working the cash. And uh, um, funny enough, you know, I, I worked there right up until I was uh, I want to say twenty six. Right up until I got my chiropractic degree. Um, you know, between mostly part time, I was always in school. Um, but yeah, that that's where I spent a lot of my life uh, between cooking and wait. I, I love being a waiter. I love talking to people. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I talk way too much. Um, yeah. My wife would probably say I talk way too much. But uh, actually, uh, you know, being in that in that kitchen growing up was the best thing because it taught me working with other people. It, you know, taught me the value of teamwork. Um, and, and, you know, I... I I find that sort of that customer relation aspect of the restaurant as well. I can use a lot in my own life every day too. Yeah, right. Uh, I find I use that all the time. I was more front of house team in my years and the restaurant, and it was I used those skills all the time. You know, having to you know work in an office setting or working with different types of patients or whatever it may be, being able to build that rapport, being able to read what people, how people are feeling, what they want. It's yeah such a huge skill set that people don't always uh, appreciate um, when it comes to um, a lot of restaurant workers, right? But the job is really hard. Um, I'm sure you've possibly treated some people from the restaurant industry. Uh, yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, including, like, you know, my own my staff that I've worked with in the past. Yeah. Um, uh, specifically. But, yeah, definitely. Lots of... Uh, of uh, aches and pains can come with being on the line sort of hunched over for hours and hours right? yeah so um is there things that you recommend to restaurant employees to help improve their work day or ways to maintain their bodies yeah i i think a lot of the time we uh, so so one of the, the hardest things that we have to deal with nowadays is office jobs with uh you know chronic sitting and they say that you know sitting is the new smoking right? yes um when, when it comes to a restaurant business, you, you typically think, okay, they're standing all day, they're moving around, they're, they're probably fine, right? Um, but when you're in a busy restaurant setting, and you know, especially a restaurant that has the, the, your, your different station setups, a lot of the time you have somebody standing in the same position for you know, four hours at a time during a, a shift. And um, those are typically the ones that I've ended up seeing 
you know, uh, in, in my treatment room at some point, um, you know, your typical upper back pain, yeah. um, uh, because, or, you know, or low back pain sort of right in the, in the SI joints, just, just, you know, at the very base of the low back, um, because you're leaning forward a lot. Yeah. Um, especially when you're preparing dishes, you just, you tend to, you know, hover over the plate quite a bit. Right. And it, it's very, um, uh, common to see that. And so I think one of the things I've recommended quite a bit, number one would, would be like, would be anti-fatigue mats. Yeah. Um, just to, to, to keep your body moving, uh, in its own natural way, uh, throughout your shift. Um, because you are standing all day and you don't want to be standing on a hard floor. It's a little bit rough on the joints. But uh, um, the other thing too is I, I've always kind of liked that uh, that approach. I think like Toyota does it where they rotate um, positions mm. in the factory. Yep. Um, that's something I've always been a, a fan of in any type of workplace that involves labor. Um, yeah. That being said, I mean, it depends on experience too, right? You can't rotate every position because not everyone knows what they're doing but if you're in a, a setting with you know multiple chefs for example that you can rotate between you know prep and um, you know who's on various stations uh, I think that the likelihood of aches and pains as we've seen in the, the factory work setting um, it, it goes down yeah um, right because you're working different muscles yeah yeah that's you know, it's so that's exactly something that I uh, preach and try to kind of get in there um, with, you know, so many other industries do that job rotation um, and make sure that like every two hours, every three hours, you're doing something different. So you're changing positions. You're not doing the same thing all day. Um, restaurants, I find it depends on the hierarchy in that restaurant. Exactly. Because um, sometimes if you're in that kind of place where you have head chef, sous chef, garde manger, and it's very hierarchical, no one wants to switch positions because yeah, that's, a, sure. that's sort of a step down. And I think I actually had a guy who is in the military before he became a chef. Um, a couple weeks ago and he said that like in the kitchen they call it a brigade and that's a military term yeah and I was like oh that totally makes sense of how kitchens run right they're very hierarchical they've you know you have your position but at the same time as a business it's also really good to make sure all your people are trained on different positions because then you can switch people out as needed you can you know have people backup plans you know what happens if you have somebody who's sick all of a sudden then you have somebody who can hop into that position um and the other thing is that funnily enough usually the head chef depending on the restaurant isn't always cooking Mm -hmm. they're the ones at the past making sure everything looks good yeah, but I also feel bad for the head chef because they're also like sometimes the most supplanted in place. Yeah, they, they can be. Yeah, they don't and the move. And the most stressed. And the most stressed. together and you, you a, a, And the most hunched over. A recipe for pain, which is, you know, exactly. kind of a pun on. <laughs> a recipe for pain, I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that would be amazing. The, the anti-fatigue mats, also a great thing yeah. that I think a lot of... Uh, Restaurants don't always think about. That's something we implemented. Um, well, uh, I, when I say we, I mean it's funny. I, I kind of in- include myself into uh, my my family's business, which I you know really have, have not much to do with at this point, besides the fact that I go there and eat their food all the time. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I worked there for so many years, so I'll, you still say we. Uh, but it's something that was implemented a long time ago. Um, it made a big difference, uh, especially with um, uh, even for for foot pain, plantar fasciitis. People that stand all day, yeah. um, 
it's common to develop plantar fasciitis, which is pain right underneath the heel, um, when the feet overpronate, so when they flatten out quite a bit. Um, and sometimes that's just the, you know, the, the biomechanics of a particular person's foot. And so if you've got a flat foot and you're standing all day, um, you can be really prone to developing plantar fasciitis and to have to stand all day in a kitchen um, where there's very little sitting involved and have plantar fasciitis is, you know, you put those two things together, that's, that's a disaster. Yeah. So uh, a nice, uh, the, the mat actually was really nice at alleviating um, a few cases of plantar fasciitis I remember seeing when I was working there. I didn't know what it was at the time. I just remember heel pain. You know, even my own father, you know, he, yeah, I have heel pain, heel pain. He would always yeah. tell me. And then the mats helped a lot. Yeah. Um, aside with that is also uh, footwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. that, uh, uh, I've seen so many different kinds of footwear. Um, what seems to be really in vogue right now, now I haven't been in a restaurant kitchen in like a year and a half, but... I don't think it's changed, changed too quickly. It, they look like Crocs, but I, they're I not. I knew you were going to say that. They look like them, but they're not. Uh, they're like way comfier, I'm sure. Like and way chef more. Crocs. Yeah, Chef Crocs. <laughs> uh, but I always wonder when I see those, because they're like Crocs and you're not getting that support through you know the whole shoe that you would see in a lot of other like work boots or whatever you would have, mm-hmm. that you're kind of prone to like let your feet do any of that funky stuff. And I've never seen insoles in them. So. Yeah, no, no, you, you probably they probably slide around. Yeah, um, I I've seen those a lot. Um, those those kind of croc looking shoes, um, and I'm sure sometimes they are Crocs. I, I don't know. Yeah, but um, I, you know, some I have a lot of patients that swear by their you know their Crocs or their Birkenstocks. Yeah, um, I'm a you know I I think you need to have foot protection first first and foremost when yes. you're in the kitchen, right? Yeah. Um, being having worked in one for so many years, I can say that uh, everyone is susceptible to an injury at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I've cut these fingers so many times. I'm surprised I can even practice chiropractic. To be honest, <laughs> uh, I was just a little uh, uh, too uh, free with the knife, I think. But you have to have footwear first of all to protect. Um, but if you've got something closed, like a closed foot crock, not like an open sandal or anything. Um, I've seen a lot of people tell me they feel so comfortable with those. And I think the reason being, even though you might not see you know, the most arch support, I think it's because it's, it allows the natural shape of the foot to, to kind of comfortably sink in. Also, yeah. just having the squishiness on the heel yeah. helps like you to prevent developing plantar fasciitis just because it's soft. I, I do um, a lot of orthotics with patients. Um, that have plantar fasciitis and the first thing we do is add a heel cushion into the orthotic ah, okay so right off the bat we're doing something that's common in like a crock or, or you know a soft shoe is creating that sponginess under the heel because you got to imagine if you've got heel pain nothing's worse than something hard smashing on your heel right yeah um, people with plantar fasciitis will tell you the worst thing is right when they wake up in the morning yeah you're barefoot you get out of bed the first 10 steps you're like feel like you're walking on glass Yep. So that's probably why they feel that, that comfort. Um, that being said, like I, yeah, I, I mean, I prefer to, to have something a little more supportive, like a, a good shoe. And, and shoes are, are one of the f- few things that I, I actually believe that price does coincide with quality. That's not always the case in everything. But uh, for shoes, I, I think that's, I see that a lot. You know, if you're, if you're buying like a, a $60 shoe, you're, you're not going to be getting much support. 
if you can nope. bend the heel to the toe and you know you buy these this new shoe and you're like oh yeah look at this his shoes are so light and you can twist it 360 degrees well i mean if you have a really really high arch um then then you're you know you're good as a barefoot walker that's fine but most people don't um, yeah uh, they at least overpronate a little and, and you need you need enough support in there so um yeah we're wearing a good shoe or at least having like a good insole would, would definitely make a difference for like a long work day on your feet yeah um i know for front of house teams and i wear these at the wellness job as well as blundstones everybody wears them mm-hmm. they're really great support they're comfy and as long as you get a good insole in there yeah you're like good to go yeah, you put those two together and you're, you're set yeah, you're set yeah. so it's it's kind of funny how much i see it as like the standard uh, serving shoe, it seems, all the time. Unless it's, like, mandated by the restaurant that you have to be in dress shoes or something. Yeah. Um, but I think that's really valuable to um, a lot of the listeners who are thinking about things when it comes to footwear. Um, but I wanted to change gears a little bit. Yeah. And uh, kind of... Where you, are we going, Aaron? Where are we going? Give me a chance to promote your business. What? Uh, where are you starting? Nice. Where are you? Uh, how can people find you? All that stuff, and then I have some questions, follow-up questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I am. Uh, uh, we opened up Rehab Science Health Center. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on all social media. I think at Rehab SHC. Awesome. Um, and uh, we're www.rehabscience.ca. Uh, we're located in Maple. Yep. So on Jane Street, uh, between Major Mac and Teston. Um, probably a bit closer to Teston. And yeah, we've been here now for um, officially uh, about three weeks, but I've been working in Vaughn for the past four years. So it's nothing new to me. Uh, what's new is just, you know, kind of having this place be my own management, which is really, really exciting. Yep. Um, something I've always wanted. Uh, I came from a, you know, unbelievable team that I've worked with for the past four years at uh, the Center for Health. Um, they have a clinic as well in Vaughn, and I I, uh, I worked with them for a few years. Uh, it just really helped me develop, you know, foundations and character. And, uh, and then we, you know, my my wife is is the office manager here actually, which um, we've now been working together a couple of weeks. It's so much fun. I get to see my son. He comes in here once in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. And uh, taking on new clients, it's been busy right off the bat, which is fantastic. Um, we have three amazing massage therapists and um, uh, another, a physiotherapist as well. So we're a multidisciplinary team. Uh, I've always worked in a multidisciplinary clinic. Working together with other practitioners is definitely the way to go uh, to give the best care to the patient. Yes. Because sometimes they need multiple interventions you know and I can offer one thing and somebody else can offer another and when you work together you, especially working together with the medical doctors which we do very well um, and I've always done that very well because um, we need everyone on the same page to yeah give the best health care we can possibly give fantastic um, I will make sure in the show notes there's a link to your website and I'll make sure when I do my post on my Instagram I'll link to yours so you'll be able to see when the episode goes live and people will be able to find you if they're from this area. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to, this is something that I see across the board at the wellness job but I also find it's like other places too. And if somebody's looking for a practitioner. Yes. What should they be looking for in a practitioner? Because I think you can give some good 
Um, what kind of practitioner? Well, it's kind of hard to say. So something that I run into at the wellness job all the time is somebody comes to me and they say, I have this kind of pain or this kind of issue, and I don't treat. I don't, you know. Yeah. Um, so I refer them yeah. to wherever I think they need to go. And sometimes I find people... Um, and I see this with athletes too, like let's say they're with a practitioner and I sometimes say they're in like rehab purgatory mm-hmm. where they're kind of there forever and yeah. they don't know yeah, yeah. what their treatment is, they don't know when they're gonna get better, they don't know, uh, maybe they don't know what their issue is. Like they, it feels like sometimes I find the practitioner isn't empowering the patient to actually be involved in their treatment. Yeah, that, that's first. That, that's a big mistake. Yeah. Um, you, you want to, both be involved practitioner and patient in the goals yeah that's the most important thing you know what what are the goals of the patient sometimes it's as simple as pain relief yeah like you know great other times um you know i think the most motivating ones are the ones that really affect the quality of life um you know the ones that say i can't pick up my son or my daughter yeah. You know, to me, that's that motivates me to help you get better. You know, more than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, as a parent, that would be you know devastating to me, right? Um, or I, I can't work, and, and you know, when times are tough and, and you don't really have a choice, and you you know you, you push through work in pain, and that's devastating. So, um, the goals are really important. Yeah. I think what. <laughs> It's hard to say like what to look for in a practitioner because everyone is so different. Yeah. Most importantly is you have to be comfortable. I always tell patients that in any situation you are a consumer. So even as a patient, you're a consumer. You always have that choice as to where you want to go and what you want to undertake as a patient. So it's really important to remind yourself, you know, is this right for, like ask yourself, is this right for me? And do I feel like, cause you know your body better than anybody. And I tell patients all the time, you're your best doctor. And then, you know, we're there to facilitate, right? Yeah. So listen to what your, you know, your body and your brain together are telling you when it comes to any kind of healthcare. Because like there, there's so many different approaches, right? I've had patients come in to see me and you know, I'd say like very, very rarely do they, you know, perf- like do they want that sort of quick adjustment in and out. Um, uh, but there are clients that prefer that, and so like I'm not, you know, that kind of practitioner for them. Yeah. So and 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 we're honest, right? And 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 that's the other thing too is you, you have to make sure that you're you you feel like the person you're working with is, is genuine and honest too, um, whether that's your medical doctor, chiropractor, physio, massage therapist, whoever it is, right? Um, I try to stay away from like, uh, you know, a, a sort of block fee type of Groupon sort of sessions because the truth is you never know how somebody's going to respond. Yeah. So for me, you know, to say, uh, you know, I, I tend to, I, I come up with a treatment plan, you know, and, and sort of when I think the person's going to start to feel better and I discuss that always. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, let's do 20 treatments yeah this cost because I don't know but if you feel better after two or three and that's what I want to do I want to get you better that quickly um, sometimes people get better so quickly and then I don't see them for for months and and you know there's certain cases like you know back pain management things like that where they come in once a month and you manage them and they're happy and their recurrences of pain drop and they feel great um, but you know if somebody's got a particular type of injury and you can get them feeling better after two or three sessions rather than you know spread out over 20 um, I think that shows uh, uh, 
integrity. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and to say like, you know, I want to get you better as quickly as I can to, to show you that, you know, I'm just, my goal here is to get you better. Yeah. And that, and that's all there is to it. Um, and then generally speaking, when somebody trusts you, then they, you know, they, they have that faith in you if something ever happens again. Yeah. And sometimes they'll, you know, I have a lot of patients that will come to me to discuss, um, you know, this is what happened to me. And, and I, I want to know, uh, you know, if, is this, they don't even know if it's something they think I can treat. They're not even sure, but they want to discuss it with me just because they had a good experience in the past. Yeah. Um, so just, just follow your, your gut, I think is, is the best thing I can say. And, and just know the difference between, you know, healthcare versus a business. Yeah. You know, they're always both, but yeah, they're always both, but finding that balance and finding a uh, great practitioner in that way for you. And I think, yeah, I've just seen that over the years where people are going to someone and it just seems like they're always, and it doesn't sound like they know what's being treated and stuff. So I wanted to kind of talk about that real quick. Cause I mean, that can happen anywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had patients that, you know, it was really hard to resolve. Um, but I can tell you that like, those are the ones I tend to rack my brain about. And it's, it's not for me, you know, never like an opportunity to say, Oh, look, I'm seeing this person, you know, once a week for a year now. And this is great for me. No, it's, it's not. It's yeah. I rack, I genuinely rack my brain with those ones because I, I want to see improvement. Um, yeah. That's, that's why I'm here. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's fantastic. And, uh, What's your uh, favorite part of being a chiropractor? I thought I'd leave that a nice, easy question to finish off with. Yeah, every every day is completely different. Yeah, um, I I wouldn't be able to do you know the type of job that, uh, and and that's just for me personally. But uh, that's kind of the same every day. Um, uh, every day is completely different. Uh, from you know some days that I, I'm I'm doing business management, you know, yep. add to the uh, the the you know. The, probably the majority of, well, definitely the majority of days where I'm treating so many different cases. Um, and the style of chiropractic that I, I, I practice um, allows me to treat, you know, anything from, from, you know, neck and back pain, which is typical of chiropractors, to, um, you know, full elbow, knee, ankle, foot rehab. Um, <clears throat> I've rehabbed post-surgical ACL reconstructions, you know, knee, knee surgeries. Uh, hip surgeries, um, uh, fractures, uh, really like any any musculoskeletal uh, issue, um, and and that's that's essentially what we are as chiropractors is is uh, musculoskeletal specialists. You know, we're the ones that uh, you know we we know how the body mechanics work uh, in in great detail. Uh, so to use that to our advantage um, is is huge. Yeah, and so. You know, for me to come in and say today I have, you know, twenty different cases that are completely different than the day before, and you know I, uh, I was always like the puzzle type of kid. I liked the puzzle games and, um, you know, sitting down for hours until three in the morning because I needed to finish that puzzle before I went to bed. And for me, that's kind of the job that I, I, I have now is I see a new patient. And the first thing I think of is how like let's solve this right away as quickly as we can. Yeah. And um, and if we don't right away, which can happen, then we you know we reassess and you know shuffle the pieces around and try and find the right. Um, diagnoses and the right treatment plan for the person and there, there's usually a solution yeah right. awesome fantastic i think i'm gonna take a little break with that because i think that's a perfect thing to end on awesome. and uh we'll be back in just a second
hey, listeners, I need a little bit of your help. If you like this podcast, I want you to go and rate and review and subscribe to it wherever you find your podcasts, uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it may be. Particularly on iTunes, if you give me a review along with rating it, it really helps other people find this podcast. And I really want this podcast to go wide and far because we have 2 million people in the food service industry in Canada and we affect 22 million people per day. So I want lots of people to hear this and I want this podcast to go wide and far. And what's even better than rate reviewing and subscribing it is that if you like an episode, share it around, make an Instagram post. It's really easy. Especially if you use Spotify, you can just go and share it really straight to your Instagram feed, share it on Facebook, send it to a friend, whatever you want to do to help this podcast get around. Because I love this podcast and I want more people to hear it. So go do that for me. And if you want to be on this show, you can always send me an email at Aaron at balancedlifeservices.ca. Now, without further ado, let's get back to those crazy restaurant stories. So we are back, and we're going to get into our crazy restaurant stories that we do every episode, and I've been saving this one for a little while, um, because kids in restaurants are always a little bit wild. Best. You never know what they're going to do. And I was serving at a place in Guelph, um, and next door we had a bookstore that was actually connected in the same building. So the upside is there was a kid section. So usually, most parents, if their kids started acting up, they just grab the kid and take them to the bookstore. So you're not disturbing anyone else. Making a mess in the restaurant. Exactly, right? Take them to the bookstore. One parent can eat, then the other parent can eat. You can trade off. It's fine, right? That's kind of what most normal parents would do. But there's this one little girl. <laughs> um, and it was like springtime, so our patio wasn't open yet. Um and uh, th- that's important for this story. It wasn't open yet, but you can see the patio. It's a back patio off the dining room, fully like walled glass. So this girl, she's fine for most of the meal. And I think one of the parents said she bit her tongue or something. And then she just didn't want to be there anymore. So she's like saying very loudly. She's probably like seven or eight, maybe a little bit. Like, now she's younger than that, maybe five. And she's saying very loudly, like, I don't want to be here, all this stuff, like, being really loud. And she won't stop. And the parents are telling her to stop. But they're not, like, also removing her from the restaurant. And, like, everyone can hear. And she eventually is underneath the table, screaming. What did you do to her? Did you scare her? No, I did nothing. (laughs) I just, like, removed myself from the situation. I mostly just watched it happen from a distance. Even though it was my table, I was like, I'm not getting involved with that stuff. <laughs> uh, so the so she's like underneath the table, and I eventually she's running around the dining room, and then somehow she gets out on the patio. And I don't know how, because the doors are locked, so I don't know how, like, either she had locked it, because you could, and like, gets out on the patio. And both parents are out there with her, trying to catch her, and they seem like they just can't. I don't know why they couldn't catch her. So they're... She's, like, running, and it's a whole scene. Everybody's watching it. She's eventually, like, up against the glass, banging on the glass, asking for help at one point. Yeah, just traumatized. And it was, like, really, really funny. And so I, uh, so 
eventually, like, they get her, they have her leave. One of the parents takes her, the other parent pays for the bill. Which is always fun when you go over as a server afterwards to be like, so, how was your meal? How was your meal? <laughs> uh, but, so I went over, but it was really funny because my other tables were like, what was that? Because, you know, everybody's talking about it. And I just had, the, I just kept saying uh, she was resisting arrest. Yeah. <laughs> Probably what it looked like. Yeah, pretty well. And people found that really funny. And it was just, it was like 40 minutes of just mayhem on a Monday night. Chaos. In this restaurant. But, uh, so that's my crazy story for this week. But do you have? I, I wish I had a good kid story because uh, those are, those are usually the best. But I, I. I can think of so many, to be honest, that have happened over the years. Um, I'll I'll share one that uh, kind of has to do with uh, you know being a, a family business, I guess. Um, I I mean I was always the type of waiter that be, because I you know had the connection with my father being the owner of the restaurant. I I used to um, kind of go out of my way sometimes. You know something like to me was like giving a, an espresso, for example, was. Like, you know, it costs nothing, you know, to, to make a fresh espresso for somebody, but you, you make a friend out of it, right? So I was always the type to go above and beyond, and, and I, I genuinely cared. So whenever somebody questioned me, I, I used to uh, find that pretty funny more than anything. I was, you know, never never upset about it. I always just found it funny. But uh, we had we had a full-service dining room, liquor license and everything, you know, and a uh, uh, very well-designated dining room. And, and so, uh, you know, you, you occasionally get the client that, you know, like at, at anywhere, the, the, the uh, I was gonna say patient, not a patient in this case, the customer that uh, that comes in um, sort of already entitled, but uh, you know walks up to the to the cash register in the takeout area and says, oh, I want to order a pizza. And you say, okay, I, you know, you, you it looks like you you want to sit here. You know, he, he was with his kids, and and he said, yeah, we'll sit here. And I said, okay, it's a full service dining room. Go have a seat. I'll, I'll come serve you right away. Um, and it was a bit of a busy dining. It was a busy dining room at, at that day. I remember, so uh, you know, when things get out of hand, there's always observers. That's fun. Oh yeah. But uh, it never happens when there's nobody there. Right. right. So uh, so he said, no, no, I'm just gonna order right right here. I said, oh, okay, no no problem, right? Anything for the, the customer. So I, I put through the order and uh, I I, I uh, very calmly said, go have a seat and I'll bring you your drinks and. Um, and a few minutes pass and he looks at his receipt which typically you don't get until the end of your meal in a full service dining room but because he he really wanted to you know just pay right away he 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 had the receipt in his hand and he looks at the takeout menu and he says well what's going on here and he calls me over and he says why is there a price difference i said well well typically you know like most restaurants i mean there's a takeout price a lot of times it has to do with sizing differences too, right? The dishes are bigger or, or this yeah. or that, right? There's a reason for it, right? And um, and I said, well, that, this is our, our, our dining room cost. And he said, well, I, I ordered it at the takeout. And I said, I know, <laughs> you know, you're getting a full service uh, dining room, right? That's why I, I asked, right? And um, and right off the bat, I, I, and I remember being so calm, and uh, right off the bat, I stood up and says in front of the whole dining room, you know, you're a real piece of work. And I remember being like, eyes wide open like what just happened what caused that one so uh, I, I I kind of felt like in that movie anger management you know yeah. when Adam Sandler's on the plane and 
they're like, you know, sir, you, you need to calm down. And he's, he's like, well, I'm, no, I'm perfectly calm, but, you know. And they're, sir, calm down. That's kind of what was happening to me there. And I, I was a little bit ambushed. And, and so I, I said, I'm sorry, sir. I said, like, is there something I did wrong? And, and you know, I, I'll help you, whatever you need, right? I was always very calm. And, um, and he said, no, I don't need your help. You're a real piece of work. And he goes to the kids, let's go, you know. Didn't even want his food. Let's go. We're leaving. Gets up, grabs his coat. I'm kind of standing there stunned. And uh, and he goes to, he, he looks at me and he says, you know, I'm really good friends with the owner of this place. I'm going to make sure I give him a call and I tell him about you and that you're a real piece of work. <laughs> and at that point... Little did he know. <laughs> at that point, I'm kind of, you know debating between just letting it go and defending myself in front of a, a you know what looks like a packed audience at this point mm-hmm. and so I actually uh, said to him I said oh you know I, I I can just tell my my dad myself if you want you know <laughs> I can let him know that I'm a piece of work if, you, if you'd like and he, and he kind of went white-faced and I said and, and you know I, I didn't realize you were such good friends with him I've never I've never met you before and and I think he kind of got stunned there ne- needless to say I, I don't know that he ever came back or ever called management to complain about me. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I love those uh, stories where the, uh, I know the manager or I know the owner or whatever it is, and they always, you know, and it's like, I don't think you do. And, and it's, it's going to happen anywhere that you go, and sometimes it's probably very justified. You know, there's been times where I've, I've felt that way too as a customer. Um, but it's just funny because I, yeah. I know the type of person that I am. I used to treat that place like it was mine you yeah. know, because I genuinely cared. You know, it was my family. So when, when somebody questions sort of your <laughs> integrity over something so stupid that makes a public scene. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, that was that was my fun story. I've had more fun ones, but that one definitely I gave think, me a good laugh. I think that's a good one. And I, I've had those situations as well where I've had, you know, guests get angry for weird things and making a scene out of it for no real reason yeah. and not really understanding why or you know or people dropping like snide comments because uh you know because you they think you're not good at your job or whatever for yeah. whatever reason that they've thought up um you know so just things like that and that's sort of the nature of the service industry and especially yeah. your front of house teams is you don't know what you're walking into each day. There's not that ability. Similar to my job. <laughs> yeah, so you don't you uh, you don't know what you're going to be uh, faced with. So you're always reacting. You're always you know you know doing whatever happens on the fly, right? So it's sort of the fun and the stress. Yeah, and a job. lot of the times you're just dealing with people that you can tell right off the bat are just looking for you know a mm-hmm. discount or a freebie, and so you you, oh, gotta, yeah. you gotta weed out the intentions. I think. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, definitely. That's always something that, uh, I used uh, to always like be the type to give away like free little things like, you know, a, 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 an appetizer or a coffee to like the clients that were like just so genuinely like nice and made me happy. Oh yeah. Versus the ones that like something actually like went wrong and they got upset because like mistakes happen. Right. But I think to me, I'm, I was always more inclined to go out of my way for the person that just you know was was nice you know yeah i I think nice you know kindness just goes so far yeah um, when it comes to getting what you want to yeah yeah the my last restaurant i worked for fantastic place they had a really great program and they empowered all the servers to do this where like do you have an amazing guest 
um, see if you can get a business card off them or something. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we would have pre-done like cards, and we would th- throw a ten dollar uh, promo card in there. Just as like, and you just sign as a shirt saying like, "Thanks for being a great guest." And when they get that mailed to their business or like wherever they work, they get a little like card because no one gets physical mail these days. Just say, "Hey, you're a really great guest, and uh, we'd love to see you back sometime." That had such a huge effect um, for so many people. Um, It was a great program, and I really love that you were able to. You felt supported in that. Mm -hmm. A lot of restaurants don't always do that, but they were really great. Of like, you know, if you have a really great guest. You know, give them a $10 promo. Do something. Like, yeah. we're here for that. And I think that was why they're such a successful business Yeah, um, was those sorts of little details. For sure. You, you can't get really very far with any business without the right customer relations. Right? Exactly. And customer service. Exactly. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. I think awesome. that's a good, crazy story. Thank you so much, Joseph, for coming on. My pleasure. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll see you on this show again in the future. Who knows? Absolutely. Anytime. Right? You know where to find me. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hell's Kitchen podcast. Now, if you want to contact me, my email is aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My Twitter is b underscore life underscore services. My Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And don't forget to go join that Facebook group, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with all sorts of working food service professionals to find out what works for them what isn't working for them and find some people who maybe know how to help you have a better work day and remember if you want to be a guest on this podcast send me an email i'd love to chat with you see ya